The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Thank you for indulging me. I don't want to jinx things, but I think many of us are starting to feel like maybe, maybe if viral life doesn't mutate in radically scary ways, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Thanks to Judy Payne and Keith Holland and the Hinckley Fund and others, Dan Bernard here on the scene. We're starting work this month on some courtyard renovations, replacing some plantings that died in the shutdown a year ago, fixing the fountain and some other things to make that space safe and ready, a gorgeous place for us to begin to gather because we need to gather. Because, as that ballad rightly named, some people want diamond rings and some just want everything, but everything means nothing without you. That's one thing that's been made super clear this last year, hasn't it? How much we need one another. We've done pretty well. Gail and Keith named a lot of the things to celebrate. The ability of our musicians and Jonathan Silk and his professional tech team of volunteers, Eric Shackelford and Shuli Ong, who pivoted to try and make worship as full and as familiar and as nurturing as possible. Our four recording studios that are now set up with two remote cameras to bring you music, plus our balcony Reiko cam that captures Reiko. Reiko, who by the way, now rocks our Instagram ratings. I mean, who knew that organ music would rock our Instagram ratings? It's been a year of surprises. And there's all of you whose motivation to stay connected has overcome those of you who had some resistance to live stream or helped us all overcome the challenging, sometimes frustrating learning curve of navigating Zoom. None of our new ways of connecting are as satisfying as being in a room with human beings. And I never want to look at myself on screen again when this is over but it's all better than a year of isolation. We've continued 
to read books together, to engage speakers, even like the amazing speaker we have ahead this morning who will inform and challenge us. We've found safe ways to volunteer at the food bank and to witness on the steps and in rallies around the city. We've actually gotten, I think, more deeply engaged with our wholeness and racial justice work over this year. The choirs have rehearsed in new ways, and as you saw, even found their ability to make music videos. So we may have some Grammy applications ahead of us. We've even run auctions better in some ways than in past years. It hasn't all been perfect. I mean, there's been awkwardness at each new way of being, each new habit that's learned, each old, familiar, beloved ritual and tradition that we've either had to reimagine or delay. But we've done it. We're doing it. And we're not at our knees, on our knees at this juncture. We are solidly on our feet and connected and as I said, deepened even in some ways. There are roughly 250 households who were part of this congregation when we started, but there are 600 subscribers to our YouTube channel. I am grateful for and proud of all that that means and may mean going forward. I am grateful for every one of you who has found a way to connect to community. And for some reason, whenever I'm part of a tough chapter in the life of an institution or as part of a nation, as has also been true this year, one side effect is it always somehow wakes me up to remembering the others before me who must have walked the same institution or nation through similar hard times and a sense of gratitude and curiosity about that. I don't know how many of you know that John Burens is working on a history of this church, God bless him, a deep dive into the archives and books and making calls to people who still hold some of the stories that we don't want to lose. I don't actually know of anyone who has been more independently productive during COVID-19 than John, except maybe a mother somewhere who is carrying triplets. And as part of what that book will show us, will be all of these chapters that we've inherited, unknowingly many of them. I can't wait to have a reading group for that book to tell us what we have here, what, we, what we've had dropped into our soft, sweet palms. But in preparation for today, I went back and called Margot Campbell Gross, our Minister Emerita, and I asked her to retell me just one story that she'd once told me about a chapter of ministry, one of the big lifts that a generation of leaders, some still among us, had done, that we inherited. And I want to share it for those of you who weren't around, and so just as a celebration for those of you who were, to tie into what's most on my mind this morning. So go back with me. It's 1995, and called to this church in a joint ministry, that is two ministers who decided to try to lead together as co-equals and apply as co-ministers to this church, John Marsh and Margot Campbell Gross 
were in fact chosen and voted in. Margot, I didn't realize, had actually served this church before, just after her internship, at the tail end of her training for ministry. It was the year then when she served that the associate minister then, Joan Hull, was going on sabbatical and Margot moved back to San Francisco and she dropped into Victor Carpenter's office just to say hello and tell him she was around and Victor saw this opportunity that he would need help for the next nine months and Margot was available. And so for the 1988-1989 church year, Margot would be the interim assistant minister at UUSF. She would leave, she would leave that position just a few months before the Loma Prieta earthquake hit the Bay Area, and so she just missed that drama here. Or maybe not. Because the year Margot and John started their ministry here, 1995, began with, as it always did, the board's annual off-site retreat. And at that retreat, Ed Flesch, the moderator that year, had some news. The earthquake, it turned out, had done some damage. But also the city's rules about building standards had changed. And so the city had given this church, and others I'm sure, three years to make some necessary changes. And if we didn't, our status as a space open to the public would be shut down. In other words, if we didn't, the church, in essence, would be shut down. Initial estimates were that the retrofitting would cost about half a million dollars in repairs or about $860,000 in current dollars. And an emergency capital campaign had to begin toot sweet. Well, John and Margot were understandably thrown back on their heels. They didn't even know the congregation yet as its ministers. They hadn't even unpacked their proverbial boxes. And then they were going to lead a significant fundraiser something you normally want some goodwill and relationships when you step into. So they conferred and they got back to the board and they asked for one year, one year to get to know the congregation. The board was willing to wait one year to prepare, but understandably only that long. And in that year, in addition to getting to know the people here, more of them and beginning their ministry here, the church hired a capital campaign consultant, Phil Duker, who was helping them in their discernment and the questions that they asked. And as part of that process, Margot was reminded of one unforgettable morning during her previous stint as interim assistant minister. That Sunday morning, she remembers, as the service was ending, people started coming up from the pews uninvited and unannounced, and they started laying red tape across the chancel and around the pulpit. And when they left the church, Margot and John got out of the sanctuary. Red tape, they noticed, had marked off the offices and the garage and the chapel and the main doors in and out of the church, too. These were, it turns out, all the places that the church wasn't accessible. Members who were in wheelchairs at the time could only enter the church through the kitchen door. 
like second-class citizens and concerned congregants wanted to make a point, and so they organized this act of internal witness and the image of all that red tape stuck with Margot. So the church began talking, I'm told, about who it wanted to be as a congregation as part of the lead up to this capital campaign. What was possible? 22 house meetings with small groups from the congregation and other opportunities to uncover, Margot would later write, quote, our gifts and strengths for the service of the church and the wider community. And the resonance of the red tape informed their work. The earthquake retrofits would happen, but added to them would be the commitment to build the ramp that we now have at the front of the church where it belonged. And while they were at it, by the way, they would take down a little eight-inch plaque that told people quietly who we were and put big letters up, the ones you see that have our name on the wall, and the chancel was extended and the ramp was built here so that our most sacred space allowed easy access for all people and the chapel was made accessible and more. The bill of all of this went from half a million dollars to 2.3 million. That's almost $4 million in today's dollars. Imagine being them. You inherit a church and it asks of you not just your annual pledge, not just your volunteer hours, not just that you walk and witness to City Hall and it rallies and teach Sunday school and cook and deliver meals to people who are sick, but that you carry the institution forward and in doing so in ways that keep with your values, you raise $4 million and you're out of the building the whole time the work is being done. The pews were all removed from this space. Just that, imagine the work that was required. All kinds of surprises would be discovered, <laughs> as you might imagine. One day, one day, Margot said, when she and the young adults were at church, they heard the organ playing. They came into the empty, bare sanctuary and Reiko was, in fact, rehearsing, and they all lay down on the stripped-down floor of the sanctuary and listened. As close to heaven as they could imagine in this complicated moment of sacrifice and endurance. The church would raise the $2.3 million. In fact, when it was all totaled on the big Sunday when they pulled the effort to a, clo to a close, they had raised $1,579.40 more than the goal, including hundreds of dollars given by the children of the congregation. And we... We inherit a church more accessible. Those of us who came after that time one, by the way, we just made a little more accessible with our two new gender-neutral bathrooms, one fully accessible, single occupancy, and all the other renovated bathrooms that include accessibility, all of which you'll get to see when you're back here. And we all inherit a building that's safe, we hope, for the inevitable next big earthquake and the next, for we who live on the fault lines of the earth. And all of it placed in our soft hands when we first came and joined this place, a silent handoff in this relay race of life. 
I guess I wanted to tell this story because I think it's important to remember what those before, of, before us, some still with us, because this is a relatively recent story, all the hard things they've done. They've weathered other pandemics, we know that, other uprisings that demanded greater justice. And at each juncture, hopefully, they've done all they could to honor the commitment that we also inherit of body and soul and pocketbook, not just to survive, but to thrive. What we have done this last year is amazing, I think. And it's a part of a history of amazing, which I sometimes forget, but it's important to remember because it's this gorgeous and gutsy thread that weaves through time and lives that I am blessed and emboldened to remember in the times that I am part of, with all the challenges they have brought and will bring, the storms. So as Keith and Gail said, we're all being asked this year for our financial commitment for the year that will start in July on the 1st of July and will include, we are expecting significant time with our rental income at a fraction of what it has been in the year before the pandemic. And needing to get through that without any PPP loans to carry us. And as a result, we're asking folks to maintain their existing pledges and also to consider a one-time additional gift to double if you can, but to give what you can. because each generation has done just that. So Rohit and I have put in our pledge and we've added an extra gift for this year. And I know so many of you rushed to do the same, which is why we had the amazing announcement of the start of the effort, so thank you all. I know some of you haven't probably even opened the letter yet and that you'll do what you can too, and that's all we ask, just that you do what you can. Reading John Lewis's memoir, Walking with the Wind, I found myself grateful again for all the stories that he tells of people who were part of one chapter of this nation's history of social change and strengthening. And it all ties back in my mind to that story that he tells in the beginning that Meg read for us this morning. Of all of us holding hands like those children in the storms, walking with the wind like we do to hold the house strong as it lifts one corner and then another, and doing so until the danger passes. So thank you all for joining hands across so many barriers to doing that in this year and walking in the winds. I know we have more walking still to do with the pandemic and with the racial inequities that have been laid bare, stripped bare, requiring restitution. But I think we may be let out to play soon from at least the first of these challenges. House intact.
and better positioned, I think, when we're together in person to boldly tackle the rest. Thank you all for what you've done this last year and let the annual giving campaign for next year officially commence. Thank you in advance for your generosity and commitment as we lean into the next year of life together and pass the gift along. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.